Da, da, da. Welcome to the Meeple Syrup After Show, Designers Discussing Design. We just had now sainted Amber Cook and Matt Fantastic, who endured what I think was the apocalypse in technical internet world. We had every technical problem that you could imagine happen. I blame Sen for everything. Um, but we couldn't even, we had a really special third host even. Which I was really yeah. excited about. Yeah. We had Sean Jackman. I was excited too. And uh, he's with the Daily Worker Placement. If you've uh, read part of uh, the blog that he's part of, with a team of incredible writers, and he's an incredible photographer. And I mean, you should be he's keeping also an eye on that Simon. website. He's also with Simon, and he does a lot of content creation for them. So yeah, I was just really pumped. He was going to be our third host for the episode because we were missing Sen. Sen's in uh, the deep of a grading uh, right now, and so he couldn't be on. And I knew it was going to be amazing content with Matt and Amber, and it was, it was. but it's really good. half of it you couldn't hear, and I'm sorry. Um, trust me. I am more sorry than you because uh, I was really pumped about this episode because uh, I know they they have interesting experiences and stories to tell. They are very honest and forthcoming with the information. They have been in, I feel like, every different aspect of the board game industry imaginable, and that was kind of my hope was that we would hear from voices in the industry and that have different perspectives because I think there is so much richness to be learned from each other so that we can be making and enjoying better games that designers and publishers can find how they mix together and how they can have their games be known and realized and reach their fullest potential. Uh, so we're going to have them on again. And there is still some stuff. I say we missed half of it, but we did catch half of it. And so on the the glass half full perspective, let's talk a little bit about what they talked about. What stood out to you, uh, Tiffany? Was there any any light bulbs that went off or any specific things that triggered uh, ideas for you? Well, so there was two there was two main points and and one was from Amber and one was from Matt and the main point that I was getting from Amber was that basically consistency consistency in your quality consistency in what you're bringing to the table consistency just like across the board so once you figure out what it is and that's the, I mean, we kind of like brushed on it like the whole you have to figure out what it is you want to do and what you what it is you want to be in the industry which is huge like that is a, that's not a trivial thing to do at all and like i was when i was transferring journals i was like going through this one and when i decided to launch my youtube channel i like did a whole i found like an online thing that helps you make your brand and i like wrote all this out like different things that i was going to do and like i'm flashing it cuz it's kind of personal stuff but like yeah what i wanted to do and like that it's not trivial to do that and matt matt was saying that for him he made the decision for him. It was somewhat easier because for him, it was like, I'm just going to be me. Um, and I'm going to start doing these things. And like, I'm going to be known as the guy that, 
that has a great time and is a very like out there personality and you'll see me a mile coming, but you also will know that like, I'm going to go out and hang out with you till five in the morning and just drink like crazy. And then I'm going to still show up at the booth and be there when it opens. And I'm still going to sell the shit out of games. Um, and so like, that was his personal statement, but like other people, you have to like plan it and think about it. And maybe it's not as direct as like, I'm just going to be me. Um, so that's important. But then once you have that, being consistent in that statement. So essentially writing a mission statement for yourself and then just being consistent and maintaining. And that's that's super important. And that is just as hard as trying to figure out what it is you're going to be. And for Matt, the big takeaway that I got from Matt in regards to this conversation was somewhat similar, which is be consistent and be there, but also just be very visible which I think is part of the consistency thing. Like you want to be consistently visible. You want to consistently have your name out there or you want to consistently be seen and you want to consistently be mentioned or be recognized for various things. So we, we, have, a a question. we have a question actually about mm. uh, uh, from Sir Bob on the YouTube. Uh, and he was curious, did you do that journal, like that mission statement, before your very first show for the one tar? I, like where yes. did Where did that fit your story of like that experience? I did, I even have a date on it. I did this on September 30th, 2013. And I believe wow. my first video, I already had done, I think a Gen Con vlog. Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't really, I knew that I wanted to vlog and I knew that I wanted to cover conventions in a way that I hadn't seen them be covered yet, but I didn't know what that meant necessarily. And I didn't know what the rest of my channel was going to be. So it wasn't the very first thing I did, but it was something that I did after I realized I, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Very early in the process. You assessed. Yeah. I, I can I can kind of echo that and say for myself. I mean, very early on, I was fairly resistant to become a game designer, um, and then when I did, there was kind of an aha moment fairly early on in my process where I had to decide what kind of designer I was going to be and what kind of designers was I emulating. You know, like who who are some you know people that I think are doing it a certain way, and I would like to kind of follow those footsteps and obviously one of the major influences for me was was Sen and Jay uh, obviously because I had a relationship there and and utilized you know their willingness to kind of mentor me through uh, the game artists of Canada so that that was obviously me joining that was a very concrete way of me saying like this is a process I'm going to go through and try to figure things out I think also pretty huge and pretty crucial early on that really changed and influenced me was co-designing with Steven Sauer. I mean, that just shaped my desire and my appreciation for co-design and just understanding the benefits that come along with that experience. And because that was so rooted, now I almost struggle to imagine not designing with someone because I appreciate it so much. I, I, I love bouncing ideas off each other in a shared mission of making something together. I, I really value the times that I stick to my guns and the times that I'm willing to let go of certain things because I think in that creative process you realize the things that you care about and the things they care about and then when you make something together 
you're at a better place because of it and you kind of benefit and rise together. And so, uh, you know, that those are some important early values for me that really shaped, I think my brand and what I'm kind of known for. So, um, yeah, so it, it's interesting, but I also, I also found it fascinating hearing kind of the, the other aspects of the industry and all the kind of questions and work they're doing, you know, processing things like their branding and what people expect and even just thinking through like packaging or thinking through things like art kind of aesthetic or, or expectations with certain games or uh, things like that. So I think, I think that's really important so that we can do things like uh, pitch to the right publisher or design games with the market in mind. And so uh, I think those are really great potential topics for people to really be uh, thinking through and trying to figure out, navigate. Yeah. And I think that, I think that we easily could have broken this show into two separate uh, shows. One Mm -hmm. where we talked about the personal branding of, um, just individuals and designers and the, and the, like the brand of Eric Lang and the brand of like Rob Davio and the brand of the kind of stuff. And then at the same time, we could talk about the brands involved with publishers and what it means and like how you would match up or find a publisher that how you basically recognize a publisher's brand and that can help you decide whether or not you're going to pitch to them, which we have talked about and and we've touched on that a few times in other shows. But, Mm -hmm. um, it's one of the, you, it just keeps coming up. Yeah. Well, it's so I, I, think it's really, I think it's so important. And I think, I think you see it in certain designers and certain, uh, I think publishers are even looking for that. I mean, it, it really is kind of like in a saturated market. If you're going to choose kind of random versus someone that you think you maybe have an idea for, you think, you know, they have a reputation of say being a hard worker or they've gone through the process before and supported their game. I think that's really important. That really stands out is people yeah. that, that, you know, have done the gauntlet. So someone like Eric Lang, obviously great designer has tons of experience, yada, yada, yada. But the other, like we talked about, he's a great guy. He, he really puts like dedication into his games and he follows it through. He goes to conventions and supports his games and works the crowd and, you know, does you know the q and a's and he's very accessible i mean he's been on our show many times he really would go on our show anytime i asked him i try not to ask too much but he really is legitimately willing you know what i mean like so that that's a big deal well and i'm trying to think and i'm like you know what i've uh having gone to essen now and having the opportunity to meet the designers um that i've met like i'm like Rosenberg, super approachable. Like I met mm-hmm. Steve and I bumped into him. He had um, three games released at Essen this year. And it was a big year for him. Yeah. And we, we just happened to go to the booth that had the car uh, that had um feast for Odin while he was there and we got our copy signed and we were, t- we were congratulating him on the success of Cottage Garden. And he was like, you know what? It's really funny. Like, I'm nobody is asking me to sign their Cottage Garden. And he was like a little sad about it. Like, it was, yeah. it was really interesting that he was so approachable that he was sad that people weren't approaching him. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and then, like, yeah. And then Feld, I met Feld. And Feld was like the same way. Feld was hanging out 
at the Oracle of Delphi booth when I went by to pick up Oracle of Delphi and he was signing copies and he was doing selfies. And like, it was actually really funny because um, he was so approachable and so like, yeah, let's do this. And like really excited. Like people were telling him these stories about the games that they've played of his and how they love all this stuff. And like this one time when this, we were playing, there was this thing and he was just super eating it up. And he was, he was being very engaging with like literally everyone. And so the line was like insanely huge because he would sit there and talk with you as long as you wanted to talk with him. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like, I'm starting to get the impression that the bigger names and the names that we feel and see as successes in the industry are successes because they are so approachable and they well, are so like, I'm wondering if that is part of it. Yeah. Well, it was funny. I had this really interesting conversation with Bruno Cathala at BGGCon. And so, uh, super name drop, obviously. So, like, I love Bruno Cathala. So this was like a highlight moment for me. And it was interesting because it was a super chill moment. It was uh, pre-exhibit doors opening. He was setting up his game, his next game coming out with Days of Wonder, and was like, oh, do you want to play? And, and unfortunately, I didn't have the time to get to play the game it looks incredible and everyone that played it especially a few people i know said you know it's the next big hit and you know it's classic days of wonder so i'm really excited about that but the funny part was so we just sat there and talked for a few minutes instead because we weren't like setting up the game yet he was just kind of like chilling and one of the things he said that really stood out to me was he talked about how he is an, a huge introvert but for him he can define and understand his role in communicating with others through board games. So mm. board games becomes his way to be extroverted that he can, he can put himself into like a scenario, like signing stuff and interacting in that moment. And he, he feels comfortable with it because he, he already knows how that's going to go. And yeah. like they have a common language already. You can talk about this game. He can express himself through his game. So like, it's a very kind of almost very controlled scenario that it, it becomes a way for him to be outgoing. And well, I think that's really true because our hobby is really full with, with yes, extroverts, but a lot of introverts and a lot oh, of yeah. people that are, that are creative and are smart and want to express themselves. And so they express themselves through playing games and they also express themselves by, you know, house rules, they express themselves through making games. And so I think this becomes, you know, the branding scenario is what kind of games do you like even kind of defines you a little bit and what kind of games you make kind of defines you. And as that evolves, people feel like they know you a bit because they know your medium. They yes. know a little bit of your, your, your gaming. <laughs> so they just agree I, I, with you so much. Absolutely. Hey, oh, we, it's the after show. We, we could have cats, dogs, you name it. I mean, in contrast to the technical problems we had in the previous show, anything goes, you know? <laughs> Ichi. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. People, but I was people love Ichi, I, so they're going to just be happy to hear. I was trying to get Zena to come sit and be on camera with me, but she's, she's refusing. Um, Ichi, do you want to be on camera? What what do you think? I I am curious about this because I I know this is a bit of a struggle for all people. When you have a bit of a brand and almost an expectation, mm -hmm. how do you 
how do you handle that? Because I know oh for you, you have a lot of people that approach you, they either think they kind of know you or they do in little ways. Like you have these shared experiences. You're very vulnerable and let people in really close. <laughs> and so how do you handle things like the branding and image that people <laughs> expect of you? Um, do, what do you do with that? So, so we've had, Steve and I have had a lot of discussions around this because it is starting to become like, it's like we hit this milestone when I hit like 3,500 Twitter followers. I don't know. Some, some, we hit a point, like, I think it was more when we crossed the 3,000 on the subscribers and YouTube followers where I became, where my content and my Twitter became less me and more my brand. And so we have a very conscious, um, oh my God, dogs. It's all good. It really is okay. It's really okay. No, I know, but she's like standing at the back door barking, which we don't want. Um, but um, basically we had a conscious decision where it, it was, I had to step back from using my Twitter as basically a personal Twitter. Like I can't tweet the things that I want to tweet probably 80, 70% of the time, especially right now with all the political stuff that's happening. Oh, yeah. Like there are things that I want to tweet. And like two years ago I would have tweeted no props and just been like, yeah, that's me. And now I'm just like, I can't, like I have to make very conscious decisions around how I present myself because it is my brand. And one of the things that I've noticed, especially in the political climate right now in the United States is that I'm having a lot, I'm getting really frustrated with people who have Twitter accounts or social media accounts, which are like their show and their content. And so the account is like literally their brand and they're tweeting super personal stuff. And I'm just like, that's not, you, I don't think you realize what you're doing. And so yeah. I'm trying really, really hard to not do that. Yep. And then at the same time, it's like, but I do want to maintain that my brand is clearly these things like yep. feminist. And yep. <laughs> like, so it's yep. like this like weird tightrope that I have to walk continually of trying to be true to myself and true to the content and giving people like enough inside info essentially so that they're not like, whoa, 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 what's going on when I say some stuff, but at the same time, like trying to keep a rein on it and not be too personal or be too polarizing or something like that. Um, and sometimes I will just be polarizing. Like when I went on my women in gaming outfits. Like, I don't think anybody was crazy upset about that, but I'm sure there's some people that were like, Oh my God. So yeah. Absolutely. Well, there are times that we want to leverage or use our, our, our microphones or our influence. But also, like you said, there's, there's this weird tightrope of trying to also um, be true to kind of the brand that you're building and trying to be inclusive and try to use that strategically and at meaningful times and also try to be, you know, not mixed in with, you know, these tirades. I mean, you know, they're, they're, sadly, internet communication is not always the best means. So it is really easy to kind of get stuck into these debates that really go down 
deep dark cycles and and get well, kind of ugly so yeah and there's another thing that a lot of people that are when they're building their brand or they're more new to the hobby or, or just the platform they kind of misunderstand what different platforms are used for and absolutely Amber, that was Amber, a really good thing with amber talking about the the different mediums are the best ways to communicate stuff oh yeah and and amber i mean she hit that right on the head like if we're talking about trying to find artists for a board game we're not we're not looking on twitter because twitter is not where you go to find artists no like if i want to find an artist i'm going to go to instagram and i'm going to look yeah. through people's instagram feeds because instagram is meant for showing <laughs> pictures and art yeah. and you it's even, inherently more artistic and a, yeah and you medium. can like write essays about your art or like why you did the things you did and you can't do that on yeah. twitter twitter is more about sharing like instant thoughts or opinions or quick yeah. links to things bouncing, that you want to share. things, quick information. Yeah, and every once in a while I'll go and I'll do a soapbox rant as I like to call them. <laughs> but like, sometimes Twitter, the medium is perfect for soapbox rants because you can deliver easy, digestible, quotable punchlines. Yep. But you have to be cognizant and like, think about that. You can't just go and write a rambly essay. Because it's no. not going to live, it's not going to translate, it's not going to work. Like that's where you go for Facebook. Like go to Facebook and do that. There's no. different locations in different places where you can do those kind of things. And at the same time, there's also the discussion of like you shouldn't. Like it, it's one of those things where like on my Twitter two years ago, if <laughs> while I was walking the dogs, I stepped in somebody's dog poop because they didn't pick it up, I would go on a rant about picking up after your own dogs dog poop but like that's not on my brand anymore like i can't no. do that rant anymore no. like i can do that rant if it's like really horrendous <laughs> but like i can't do that rant on like a random wednesday or something like that like it's not and so it's one of those things where it's it's there's an evolution as you start to get more involved where you have to be more cognizant of who is looking at your stuff and why they might be looking at your stuff like i'm applying for a job right now that's like a never ending job application. But part of who I am as a brand in the industry is basically part of that interview. So I know yep. that they're gonna go and they're gonna look through my Twitter feed. Yep. And so that's a thing that I have to be aware of. And it's the it's that 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 positive but also that kind of nervous energy because it's like you build this thing, but then also as much as you can control your brand, you also can't control your brand, you know, like like I think even while we were talking throughout the show, I kept thinking to myself like, yeah, I wonder what my brand is. I know certain things that I intentionally tried to communicate about my brand, but there are, like you said, even in the show when we we're talking about everyone in the industry talks, there, are, there, is, there is an image that is being created for each person in the industry in all the little ways that you 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 move and live and interact with people, especially at cons. So for instance, like if you're the type of person who like uh, an example that uh, Amber said was, you know, gamers that play test other people's stuff, you will build probably a pretty good reputation amongst designers of like, that's something that designers really value. That's not necessarily going to make you a good book somewhere else. Like, to be honest, that's probably not helping you with a publisher. That's a nice thing that you did, but really for a publisher, unless you're playtesting their stuff, it really isn't kind of greasing the wheels and making that. But that that's an example of like even 
your brand is being influenced by even what you're prioritizing, where you're spending your time at cons, what you're doing at cons, how you treat people, um, all that stuff, how you, you know, what negotiations, how they go, um, how you're, even the, if you have a game out there, how does that make you look? Because maybe it was done well. Maybe it's, maybe you, you talk poorly of it. And because you talk poorly of it, then publishers go, Oh, well, I don't want to work with that person because what if I make a game with them and then they talk poorly of that as well? So, like... Yeah, what if they blame me for something? Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, it's the little things that even if, say, you're disappointed with one of your games or something or something doesn't go exactly right, are you are you a person of integrity? Are you a person that's classy and, and, and tries to, you know, focus on the positives? You know, people... If, as long as you're putting kind of your best foot forward, people are going to appreciate that. Not saying you have to be this perfect person that no matter where you go, you have to look and, and feel like smiley, smiley all the time. Actually, I think that that would look really fake. But instead, do you you know put your best foot forward when you can? I'm, I love, for instance, Matt is this perfect example to me of he is so hardworking. He has, he is so kind to people, like crazy kind. He's one of the kindest people you will meet at a con, but he'll also, you know, it, he, party hard and, and people may have stereotypes of him. that are just this weird conundrum because you can't, you see him at five in the morning, yet he's 9 a.m. on the floor doing sales. Like, it's like, how do you, how do you do that? But he does it because he prioritizes. Yeah. Well, both things. He prioritizes the relationship time and he prioritizes being a hard worker. Yeah. So you really also like, like as much as there could be a bit of a character of you, you control some of it. You don't control all of it, but the parts that you can control, I think are really important. And so I think like Matt, Matt's a really th this great example of like, even like the games that he makes, he has real interesting messages that he wants to communicate. And sometimes they're a little too controversial, say, for a publisher, but then he can use his brand as a way to do like a Kickstarter or something small, small print run, and still get the game out because he cares about it. I think I have around here somewhere. Oh, I don't know where I put it. Uh, but he has this one game I've, I've mentioned on the show to tear us apart. Mm. Have, you, have you seen that? Oh, okay. I got to find this. Oh, I just had it here, too. Maybe. Okay. I was going to say, there's a funny story. So, Gen Con two years ago, maybe three years ago, um, I did the Orc Stomp 5K with... Um, yeah, Brian, I remember right? that. Yeah, yeah, Brian Casey. And we... It was so funny because we, like, woke up really early. Well, we went to bed late because we could never get to bed early enough. And I woke up crazy early and I went down and I, like was vlogging the like pre-run hangout and we're just like chilling and Matt just like walks up wearing his dress and stuff and like at the at the 5k and I'm like oh hey I didn't think you would be here and he's like yeah well we haven't gone to bed yet and somebody <laughs> we like saw somebody walking and we asked them where they were going and they said they were coming here and so we just decided we were going to do this so he ran the 5k on zero sleep and then he went back to his hotel like showered i think he maybe took a cat nap i honestly don't know and then like i had to be i was on the i i finished the run went and showered and went immediately to the con so i was there for 
like early access because I had interviews and stuff and Matt was there and I was just like dude how do you even like you haven't slept you probably are hungover or you're like working on like you're coming down and like you just ran a 5k like how do you like I got sleep and I'm dying here so yeah I, I, I found the I found the here. sheet this is uh this is both inspiring and depressing all at the same time it is called Love Will Tear Us Apart, and it's a sad little game about dividing your stuff after a divorce. So you literally, you look at the piece of paper, you play sitting across from someone, you look at the piece of paper, you spin it around, you look at the other side of the paper, you know, you stare at it for like five seconds, and then your goal is to try to rip out the items that you want out of the divorce, and they're ripping through the other side. So you're trying to perfectly kind of pull stuff for yourself and obviously the message is pretty straightforward but this is an example to me of his brilliance and also just kind of his creative endeavors that this is just a page of paper and yet like I have thought about this so many times just it is inspiring and is encouraging and well, not, it just shows, it's encouraging in a design way. It's not encouraging. In a design way. In no way. <laughs> in a life Thematically. Way. Um, and that's the point. So it's just like, like, he is a businessman, but he's also an artist. And I think that, you know, that's an example to me of trying to interact with different people, be inspired by different people, learn from each other, and see what kind of blossoms in our, in our hobby from it. Um, I'm noticing the time. We should probably call it. Yeah, I've got saying I have to go get coffee. Yeah. I... We have a we have just also as an FYI, we we have a couple more shows to go. Um but then we are going to be calling it for the year and having weeks off and also announcing the sad news that we will be lift, losing Tiffany because we're going to be changing time slots and uh, so it's not going to fit schedule-wise. So we're, we're going to be sorry to miss her, but you will get to see her for the next couple episodes. Um, and then we're, we'll be announcing our new date and time. And uh, obviously, Tiffany will always be welcome. And we might, again, bounce around the time. But uh, this we had said, even when we took on this experiment, that we were going to try this time slot while it fits and schedule for first semester. Next semester, it doesn't fit for him for the schedule, like, so we're going to move it. It barely fits for the schedule, too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we missed in a lot of times because of it being pretty tight. So we're going to try a different time slot and a different day and continue the experiment. And, um, yeah. So a little sad news. Wanted to give people a little bit of time to process that. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll – but we'll keep doing a couple great more shows. So with that yeah. – Sorry, the cat just wanted to come and be on the show. Hi. She'll be your host. Um, yes. Sorry. Oh. I was cat. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess we just share the news early. Share the news. <laughs> but just next a, week, next week, what are we talking about next week? Next week, that's a good question. I should probably is, pull that up. I had it. We I closed have, it. I had it too. That's so funny. And I closed it. Who can get any faster? Oh, I'm not even trying. You're going to win. Oh, then I am the wiener. Um, let's say... Oh, we were going to talk about... And we still have to confirm our guest, but we were hoping for Tanya, uh, Tanya Cook 
and the other guest is still being confirmed. But mass market games, Christmas preview, kind of like just talking about like games for Christmas. We'll talk about some uh, games we think uh, you should check out. Uh, so it'll be kind of a preview Christmas show. If you haven't bought a gift yet for someone, it'll be a good episode to hear what upcoming games you should. It's an interesting. Is it like last second Christmas shopping? It's last, an interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's like super last second, but it's really interesting because like I work at a game store now. And so mm-hmm. I'm all about the holiday shopping. So I can tell you what games are the most popular exactly. being sold at our friendly local game store here in Portland. Yeah. Well, yeah. one of six. So, yeah. But so. Cool. Awesome. So that's next week. Um, I will be here. Zen, Zen will not be here. My mom will not. be here. Hey, I don't think she's going to be on the show. But my mom will be here. Well, we'll we'll feel that. We'll feel yeah. the warmth of that. Yes. Cool. All right. All right. Well, bye, everyone. Thanks yep. for hanging out with us. Yes. Okay. Bye.